Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. A very pleasant good afternoon. Our Thursday edition of the of the Steve Jones Show. Back with you on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Subscribe to our Steve Jones Show podcast. Go to either Google Play, Apple Podcast app, iTunes. Search Steve Jones Show. Hit subscribe. And once our shows finish live on WKOK, we drop them into your smartphone and tablet. And of course, you always have access to three months of shows when you go to the podcast archive page at stevejonesshow.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Twitter handle at Steve Jones PSU. Sunbury Motors Ford Lincoln Hyundai, North 4th Street Auto Plaza Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 Hummels Wharf. We've got week nine of high school football tomorrow night. Next half hour, we'll have our weekly high school football roundtable. Kevin Herr will join us, get a preview of the Shikalemi Shimokin game tomorrow night at Kent Memorial Stadium. Zach Showers, our Seals Statman, the Z-Man. As Seals Grove will be taking on Danville, those two teams will play each other for the first time in five years. That'll be tomorrow night on Eagle 107. And a matchup where I guarantee a lot of points are going to be scored tomorrow night. you got Lewisburg, Central Columbia. Greg Wetzel will preview that next half hour, too. Of course, yeah. that'll be live on 100.9 The Valley. And I'll be with you over on Eagle 107 tomorrow night. We'll do our Week 9 recap on Sunbury Motors game night. So we got two more weeks remaining in the regular season. Is that it? Flying by. That's right. All right, and then we got like one in ten teams in the playoffs. That could happen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's the American playoff way right there. (laughs) Yes, indeed. What happens when you have close to a handful or less than a handful of teams that can get in. So... (laughs) We'll just save you a spot at the table. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's the American playoff way. <laughs> and the Cinderella stories can start writing themselves. And come states, reality will set in. <laughs> Let's face it. <laughs> I think reality is already set in. <laughs> Let's be honest about it. <laughs> they may be trying their brains out, but no. And then tomorrow night, don't forget at 6.30, an emotional tribute by the suit. Yes, and I've heard a preview of it. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I believe in some countries that's called a hostage situation. <laughs> now, I had a chance to preview it. Uh, Suit ran it by me yesterday. I thought it was terrific. And there, there's one change I suggested to him. We'll have to find out if he takes me up on that offer tomorrow night. So. I may have told you. I may have told you about that off air after the show yesterday. I mean, like the four paragraphs where he just talks about himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whittle it so down. It, That's going to take you to six fifty-five, yeah. and you won't get to the Todd yeah. Tilford interview yet. Yeah. So. Okay, okay, this isn't about you. You're still there. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, so we have that today. High school roundtable. Oh, is he joining us today? Or you betcha, Kev will be here next half hour. <laughs> I'm from Missouri. Show me. All right. <laughs> um, and then Greg and Josh, and then the final half hour, the King will join us. Not feeling all that royal right now. He's struggling. He's still swimming at 500, 19 and 19 in the picks. You are 23 and 15, and I'm 28 and 10. Wow. After a 4 and 2 week last week. So. Hmm. Okay. Not bad. Yeah. Hasn't been too bad. Yeah, I've gone like 5 and 0, 3 and 2, 5 and 1, 4 and 2. So we'll take that. Every day, twice on Sunday. I think the big one I got last week, you now I lost others, but the big one I got last week was I, I think I picked LSU to beat Georgia last week. Yes, you did. I'm also the person that picked Jacksonville to beat Dallas. Yes. <laughs> Just to balance it off. And in less than half a second, without hesitation, you took Kansas City over the Patriots. Yes, I did. And I, I felt pretty good until... Oh. That was one of the most confident picks you've done in the history of this show. Oh, I did it for time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to save time, man. <laughs> That's true. We may have had less than two minutes remaining in the show at that point. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's just do this fast and move on. It's the way I do things. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. But yeah, we'll have Chiefs uh Chiefs Bengals in our picks later. So. Well, that'll be easy. Um okay. <laughs> One uh I got a lot a lot of baseball to cover here. The first inning call in the Red Sox Astros game and the Jose Altuve shot the right field. The umpire, Joe West, got the call wrong. Cowboy. He got it wrong. Yeah. Let me explain why the call is wrong. Remember in 2014 when Penn State went out to play Michigan, Penn State got hit with a safety, but then they needed an onside kick to get it back, so they kicked from the 20. Remember they called Jesse James for being in the neutral zone offside? even though his feet were behind. And remember, I had on, we had on the show Bill Carollo, the head of officiating for the Big Ten. We had him on the show. 
And he explained that the line, which in this case was the 20, usually kind of kickoffs the 35, but in this case the 20, um, extends into infinity straight up. And the, the claim was that, that Jesse James, his head was well beyond the line, which means he was into the, quote, neutral zone, even though his feet were behind. Okay. Um, now, Bill Corolla also admitted, he said, look, at it's me, I don't make that call. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was very honest about that. Okay. So now I've talked about the imaginary line heading up to heaven to the infinity. Okay. It's the same story in Major League Baseball. The wall extends up to the roof of Minute Maid Park in this case. So the line goes straight up. If the fan reaches over the line, the fan is now in a position where it's going to be interference if they reach over that imaginary line over the wall. Okay? Mookie Betts is not just a good player. Mookie Betts is a great player. And part of being a great player is Mookie Betts is also a great defensive player. If there is nobody sitting in those seats, in my opinion, does Mookie Betts make the catch? Yes. He's that good. The timing of his jump was perfect. And he has it. It is obvious that when he goes up, his glove gets closed and the ball hits the glove. Right? Well, it's going to go into the pocket of the glove. He's got it. But it's also obvious, too, that when you look at it, the Mookie Betts is reaching over the fence to make the play. He is now into the fans' side of the imaginary line. Are the fans reaching for the ball? Of course they're reaching for the ball. It's a, it's a, it's what, are you supposed to just sit back and go, oh, hey, let's let Mookie make the play? No, the ball's coming to you. A, you're trying to protect yourself, and B, you're trying to catch it. All right. So is he interfered with? Yes. Except the interference, because there's no question in my mind he's going to catch it. I'd say I am 98% sure Mookie Betts is going to catch that ball, because A, he's that good, and B, you could see he's got it. But he attempts to make the catch on the fan side of the imaginary line. The fan is entitled to whatever at that point. It should have been a home run. Now you're saying, see, two-run homer, the game should be tied 8-8. no. Because George Springer did score that inning. So it actually would have been one additional run. But I don't think it was, it would, in my opinion, it was not the right call. Now, did it go the Red Sox way? Yes. Was it the right call? No. Steve Bartman, line two. <laughs> Except Bartman, you know, I don't know. that wasn't a home run. That was off the left field side. That wasn't that was, a home run yeah. shot. But. Yeah, and you've also got uh, to be honest with you, Moises Alou's trying to make that play. Yeah, right. He is not remotely in the same class defensively as Mookie Betts. So it's Moises Alou, Moises Alou is not a good defensive outfielder. Okay, Mookie Betts is a superior defensive outfielder. So we did some uh, digging over the lunch hour. Um, it, uh, I wanted to. F- find out about Joe West. Actually, I wanted to find out before last year when Houston won the World Series, when was the last time they made it that far? It was back in 2005, and that was when the Chicago White Sox blanked them in four games. 
And the crew, right. the umpire crew chief for that series, isn't it ironic, don't you think, Joe West? Except Joe West over the years has made some great, great calls. I mean, Joe West has been an outstanding umpire, and then every once in a while he has moments like these. But Joe West is considered by everybody to be among the gold standard guys who occasionally gets a little too involved in what's going on, a sudden ejection that makes no sense, you know, things like that. Um, so, believe me, he's got nothing against the Astros. And, I mean, he's not the one that gave up the home run to Jackie Bradley Jr. He's not the one that made the catch in, in left field like Andrew Benintendi did to win the game. You know, so there's, there's a bunch of things that you know, went into last night's game. There's no getting around it. But that was a that was a pivotal early play, and you don't know how the dominoes fall after that if it's if it's credited as a home run. In my opinion, it was a home run. Everyone knows I'm a diehard Red Sox fan. How much more fair do you want me to be? <laughs> I mean, really. So, then there's the Wade Miley thing. <laughs> um, five, five pitches. That's it. Not five at well, bats. Five pitches. Yeah, but he, he's going to be the starting pitcher. He's going to be the starting pitcher in Game Six. You do know that, right? He's actually going to start back-to-back games. Now, what did Craig Council try to do? Craig Council wanted to put a left-handed pitcher out there, have Dave Roberts submit a lineup with a heavily platooned right-handed group coming to the plate, and then change pitchers to a right-handed pitcher, where now it puts Dave Roberts in the position of, okay, wait a minute. Do I change to all my left-handed hitters now and deplete my bench? Do I just keep playing it the way it is? That was the strategy behind that. Now, Dave Roberts, to his credit, really didn't take the bait. Dave Roberts actually put a couple of left-handed hitters in there, and and instead of platooning them like he might usually, he didn't do it. You notice he didn't do it in a couple spots. Not every spot, but a couple spots. Under the rules, everybody, you know, you, you find out who the starting pitchers are. So, for example, there's one game tonight, and it's going to be Justin Verlander for the Astros, and it's going to be David Price for the Red Sox. Technically, A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora do not have to hand in their lineup until they actually hand in the lineup card at home plate. Under baseball rules, you actually can wait that long to reveal who your starting pitcher is and what your lineup is. So that's regular season or postseason? Regular season or postseason. Right. Technically, that's the rule. Teams don't do that. I mean, teams don't do that. I mean, it's always a bit, I can tell you right now, it's a huge advantage for me as a broadcaster to go in and I've got the lineup there and I've got, you know, I start going through, okay, here's the lineup, here's what they got, here's the left handed bench players, here's the right handed bench players, here's the switch hitters off the bench, here's the left handed relievers, the right handed relievers, you know, and that way I've got a list of everything, where are they playing defensively, what notes do I want to make on the, the starters in there in terms of recent trends or a couple things I want to talk about each player. So knowing ahead of time, is a gigantic help so you can do a broadcast. 
There's no getting around it. That's why you hear a lot of people complain about what Michigan does by not releasing a depth chart. You know, well, I've already got Michigan's depth chart. I'm, I'm fine. I figured it out on my own. I can watch a tape. I've already got it. But uh, but that's that's part of the courtesy of it. Technically, under the rule, they don't have to hand it in until they're at home plate and they hand each other the cards. So, Wade Miley, five pitches. I'm done. I mean, the guy had to warm up as if he was going to be pitching six innings. <laughs> that was part of the, uh, maybe charade's the wrong word, but we'll use it anyway. So how many pitches would they normally toss in a warm-up down the bullpen? Oh, first of all, you got to go through the full stretching deal. Stretch, 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 and then you you know, usually if you're a starting pitcher, your warm up is different than a warm up of a relief pitcher. A relief pitcher knows they got X amount of time to get up and get going. Uh starter goes through the whole thing, you know, you know, this is what I'm gonna do with the wind up. Let me you know, let me work on some pitches here. Okay, let's work on the same pitches. Now we're gonna do it from the stretch. You know, so it's it a starter takes more time to warm up <clears throat> as opposed to a reliever who has to do it all the time. So he had to do the whole thing as if he was going to be going six innings, and he he didn't even get the six pitches. It was all pre-planned. You're out. <laughs> John Smoltz was, you can just hear, John Smoltz said nothing. <laughs> he couldn't believe it. I sat there and thought, this is not the game I grew up on. It's, and it's amazing, like younger people, They'll write kind of like John Smoltz got ripped by some of the younger columnists, you know, about, you know, he's been bad in the playoffs. I think Smoltz has been brilliant in the playoffs. Imagine having an opinion and expressing it the way he does. And guess what? Right? Uh, that's, that's why that's the part about the anal, analytics thing that bothers me, above all. But you're right, that, though. I mean, it's uh, this isn't the game we grew up on. I, I can't remember what game it was earlier this week, but there was one game alone, uh, 13 pitchers combined for both teams. Yeah. Well, but, you know, what, the the biggest part about those who believe in analytics that really bothers me more than anything else is not that they believe in analytics. Nah, that doesn't bother me. It's fine. Like I said, more information the merrier. But if you're not totally in on every part of it, they think you're a dinosaur and an idiot, and they tell you that. Like, hey, no, just because you say it, this is what, you know, doesn't mean it's gospel. <laughs> they act as if what they're doing is gospel. It's absolute. Okay. Glad you think so. But, see, they're very critical of people who, like, raise an eyebrow to something in analytics. And that's a, that's the part that's always bothered me. If you're If you're so... Rock solid, sure about this. Shrug it off. <laughs> Who cares if somebody doesn't like they're doing it? Bottom line is, you got a lot of people that do believe in it, and then go from there. And then you get now, then you get somebody that's more middle of the road like me that thinks some of it's really good, and I think part of the game's got to be instinct. Right? Numbers, the numbers do not dictate gut feel for a situation. You that that's the human element right there. Okay. And one part, I'm an absolute non-believer, an absolute non-believer. A strikeout's like any out. Oh, no, it's not. 
Okay? When you put the ball in play, you put the defense at risk, and now it opens the door for other things. Okay? Yeah, you may have made now, which is equivalent to a strikeout, but did it move a runner over? We're now a wild pitch in a postseason where catchers have been susceptible to pass balls and wild pitches. Huh? I'm sorry, that ground ball, he hit the second base, moved the runner to the third. He uncorked a wild pitch. Will you do it your way where a strikeout's like any out, and he strikes out and he's still at second, he uncorks the wild pitch. He's at, where is he? He's at third. <laughs> you say, yeah. See, they think the numbers are absolutes. And if anybody's not on board with their absolutes, you're a dinosaur. Right? Some of us are from the common sense school that love numbers, think analytics are really great, shifts, things like that's fine, right? But at the same time, realize that sports is also an ad lib, gut feeling kind of thing, right? So, ad, there's so much ad lib in sports. And it's the ability to make those ad lib plays, those ad lib moves, right, that actually make a big difference. All right. I know we're running past our time. The high school roundtable featuring the suit making his return appearance for the first time in two months here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Tomorrow, Mike Miller from the Bloomington Herald Times will join us to preview Penn State and Indiana. So we look forward to hearing from Mike tomorrow. And now time to get everybody ready for high school football this week on the Sunbury Broadcasting Family of Stations. Right out of the gate on Eagle 107 tomorrow. Sealands Grove will be at Danville. Zach Showers joins us. Zach, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Doing well, Zach. Uh, great to have you with us here. All right, let's let's get to uh, last week's game. What did last week do, in your opinion, to instill more confidence in what's going on with Sealands Grove? Um, I, I think there's a lot of different uh, good things that came out of Friday night. Um, I think going into the game, Sealands Grove was definitely the book. Um, the prohibitive favorite. Um, they, they were able to do a number of different things. I think the most important thing was they were able to gain a little bit of consistency offensively. Um, a lot of times in football, rotating between two quarterbacks is not a good thing, um, but Seals Grove has done that the past few weeks, um, rotating between Danny Schock um, and Coy Bastion, and both of them were able to um, throw the ball around a little bit um, but they also added a little bit of a dimension running the ball. Uh, both had over 50 yards rushing, um, and Danny Schock had a 58-yard touchdown run in the second half. Um, so overall, I think you're able to get a little bit of confidence um, with the offensive line. The playbook was a little bit simpler, um, and the de- defense pretty much did what they've done all year. Um, they were able to shut down opponents, um, Central Mountain attempted a lot of passes, um, but they were mostly for short gains, and Seals Grove was able to keep everything in front of them and um, tackle pretty well. Whenever a team is searching for some answers in a certain area, and a lot of times it's it's offense, they will simplify what's going on out there. 
How important decision was that, and how important was it for the kids that they did that? I, I think it's big. Um, I think sometimes it's really easy um, if you have knowledgeable offensive coordinators to really have a really complex playbook. Um, and when you're working with some younger kids, even though we're starting to get towards the end of the season, um, I think it's real easy to get lost in formations and blocking assignments. Um, but overall, I think last week they were just able to come up. A lot of stuff was um, straight ahead, but they were also able to throw in a little bit of option here and there. Um, and it just seemed like the team looked a lot more comfortable um, passing the ball and throwing the ball. All right. And uh, what about defensively? Have they had to simplify anything there, or is that part really fallen into place for them? I would say that's fallen into place after probably week three or four. Um, Salem's Grove has run a 3-5 defense um, since um, probably almost 15 years now. Um, so it's one of those things that the guys are coming the whole way through the system playing that. Um, and there was athletes on that side of the ball. A lot of it was just uh, getting comfortable, getting those reads down. Um, Salem's Grove defense has forced a ton of fumbles this year. Um, they've recovered 14 fumbles, which is a pretty impressive number for this point in the season. Um, but they're still really looking for um, looking for some plays in the secondary. They only have four interceptions this year. So that's probably the only area that they can shore up a little bit. But overall, everybody's been um, pleased with the Salem's Grove defense. How do you view the matchup with Danville this week? Danville is tough. Um, just looking at their roster a little bit, and really on offensively, outside of their quarterback, they are starting all seniors offensively and only have two underclassmen starting on defense. Um, so they come in as a very experienced team. Um, a lot of these seniors have played um, since freshmen, have gone through the lumps, um, and now are really coming up big. Um, they are primarily a wing T team offensively. They're not big at all, but they're very, very quick. Um, and their offense is very balanced. They're averaging 418 yards a game, um, and 219 of those are rushing and 198 of them are passing, which is not a number you see at the high school level level a ton. Right, uh, right. And when you just look at them, they have athletes all over the field. Um, they have guys, um, K.J. Riley, a sophomore quarterback, has been – um, great three wide receivers over 400 yards, and they have a um, running back, Peyton Persang, who um, has over 500 yards rushing and four, 449 yards receiving. So there, it's going to be a quick matchup. Um, I think a matchup where um, you hope that the defensive line can um, can cause some disruption in the wing tee, um, and hope that the offense can just continue the positive momentum going forward. All right, Zach, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night. Zach, you too, Zach. Thanks so much. Uh, let's get to Greg Wetzel now. Lewisburg is at Central Columbia. And, I, Greg, how surprised were you by Friday night? I, I was really surprised because Lewisburg was in total control of that game until turnovers came. Um, came. They um, were on Jersey Shore's 30-yard line driving for a score that could have made it 13 nothing or 17 nothing, and uh, quarterback center exchange fumbled and from then on Jersey Shore kind of dominated the game especially see, the line of scrimmage right 
I mean, and, and how maddening are the – I mean, that's an unforced error. Exactly. How, how maddening is that for any coach to look around at, at, at unforced errors? Well, you know, that's, it's a good you brought that – or funny you brought that up. I talked to the coach about that on Tuesday, and he said, you know, that's something we address in practice. Two of the penalties uh, – and I'm sorry, two of the turnovers, one was the center exchange – the other one was a receiver didn't know if he had the first down or not, and he's stretching for extra yardage, and as he's stretching, the ball's punched out of his hands. Just unforced errors. You know, those are things that he had the first down, he falls to the ground, Lewisburg has the ball, it's first and ten. And it, it's just tough, and all he does is he tries to reinforce thinking about these things, minute details, over and over again talking about it. But it is very frustrating. Yeah, and that and I'll tell you, that's one thing, for example, uh, James Franklin's talked about this so many times at Penn State, about reaching the ball out. He says, look, yeah. a lot of bad things actually can happen when you reach the ball out. It really can. That's exactly right. Yep. All right, so now let's get to Central Columbia. A, how big a game does this become because of what happened last week? Oh, this is huge game for not only uh, for a winning record for Lewisburg, but District uh, 4-3A. Central and Lewisburg are 3-4 right now. Uh, so this could this could assure a home game for the winning team. And so it becomes a huge, huge game. Also, the other thing is these teams could end up playing each other in the first week of districts if whatever team loses could drop down to the fifth. The other one could be the fourth seed, uh, depending on how things shake out in, in the next two weeks. You've taken a long look at matchups. What are some of the key matchups in this one? Analytically speaking, Steve. Yes, thank I, you so much, Greg. <laughs> I just had to throw that in. <laughs> uh, it only took till week nine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Probably the key matchup is uh, Isaac Gensimer against Lewisburg's defense. In uh, three years, he has rushed for close to 700 yards in three games against Lewisburg. They need to stop him and force Devlin to throw the football. They haven't been able to do it for three years. I I don't know if they're going to do it this year, but uh, that is the key matchup in the game. Greg, as always, a pleasure. Appreciate it, analytically speaking. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for those who haven't heard him for maybe five, six weeks on the show, the play-by-play voice of uh, Shikolimi football, uh, Greg, Greg, did, did he uh, run down his emotional tribute to Coach Hort to you <laughs> beforehand? Did he read it to you? I, I haven't. No. No, I, oh. didn't, I didn't read it to him. I okay, because, I mean, you read it to Sean. I did, because I needed and, to bounce yeah. it off of somebody. Yeah, well, Sean just woke up. Uh, so uh, <laughs> It's yeah. a moving, emotional moment. I thought it was terrific. Thank you. I've tweaked it since then, but that's besides... You know, oh, you took my suggestion into consideration? I, I have tweaked a few things, Okay. Yes. <laughs> Oh, brother. You're speechless. Listen. You got, you got that right. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have all the respect of the world because you can do that off the cuff and sound fantastic. I, on the other hand, am so meticulous when it comes to these sort of things. I wanted this to be absolutely perfect, and I don't want to have to think about it. I want to have all my thoughts written out. And to do that, I have to write it out because I can't do it off the cuff. I just, it's, I, I don't have that gene, I guess. 
Well, he told me he's not even going to be listening. All right, so uh, <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me either. <laughs> that would not surprise me either. Uh, okay. He hasn't listened to me in 21 years. Uh, starting tonight wouldn't surprise, or tomorrow night wouldn't be a big surprise. Uh, he'll listen to the podcast. <laughs> Huh? Does he know what a podcast is? Huh? <laughs> I'm not sure. I've heard that a lot. My favorite was uh, I'd said something and, I, and there was silence. And I said, Coach, silence. And I tapped him and I said, Coach, oh, sorry, Kevin, I wasn't listening to you. <laughs> it's like the old Phil Rizzuto thing. Phil White looks at his scorecard one day and he sees WW. goes, What does WW mean? He says, Wasn't watching. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> It's a true story. That's great. <laughs> okay. Um, emotionally, look, no offense to the kids at Shikolami, but did anybody in the planet think they had a chance last week? No. No. Uh, no. Okay? Don't, I mean, don't give me this, oh, yeah. Oh, come on. Cut me a break. Uh, but emotionally, where are they right now? Because the expected did happen. You know, they, I thought they handled it about as well as you could. I mean, they knew they were going in against probably the best Southern Columbia team. Actually, I've seen a couple of those teams over the last 20-some years, and that is by far the best Southern Columbia, the fastest Southern Columbia defense I have seen. And I thought they handled it about as well as they possibly could. I don't think they got overly down uh, seeing Southern Columbia score so many times in the first half. I think they kept plugging away, and even when they were, even in the second half, when, when they had opportunities to move the ball, they were still moving the football. Even the second team was moving the football from time to time so I, I definitely thought, thought they handled it very well well the the one thing you can't have is a hangover from last week to this week you can't let Southern Columbia beat you twice okay so they're going to play at Shimokin this week what are the key matchups well, it all depends on which Shimokin team you see. I mean, this is a Shimokin team that is very tough. They will run the football very well. Colin Bowers at quarterback is going to run the football well uh, in running some of the option plays. But a couple of weeks ago against Sealands Grove, uh, he really threw the ball all over the field. And I think that surprised Sealands Grove quite a bit. And they really weren't expecting that. Now, last week against Danville, Shemokin struggled a little bit more. So we'll see. They seem to play better at Kent Memorial Stadium than they do on the road. Uh, that could be a very big factor in this game is which, uh, which uh, Shemokin team uh, shows up and, and which Shemokin team uh, starts attacking Shikolimi. I think the key matchup for Shikolimi is their offensive line. Their offensive line opens up holes in the running game and gets uh, Bingaman, Mercado, and uh, Nettles running, or excuse me, uh, Herring running. Then I, I think Shikolimi definitely has a big advantage in this game, keeping uh, Shemokin's offense off the field. I think Shikolimi needs to get to the lead and play with the lead. Because oh, right, there's right, no question. Right, because right now their confidence level cannot be great. I mean, let's be serious here. Oh. I mean, let's, let, I mean, let's not play any games. You're not winning and you're not scoring. <laughs> no, that, that's there's no question. Playing with the when they have played with the lead, it has been a very different team, and that's only happened a couple of times this year. But there, the emotional impact of that makes a huge difference, and everybody on the coaching staff knows that. And that's why I think last week we saw Shikalimi uh, actually take the ball uh, after the uh, with the. Uh, opening coin toss because right, they yeah. felt that's their only option is to get I on agree. the board I, first. 
It's a smart coaching move. I mean, really, that's a smart coaching move. That's your best shot to get in front and instill some confidence in your kids. I mean, I, I think that's really smart. All right. Well, we're looking forward to your uh, I'll be on the road. But I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> it, it seems okay. I, I'm going to go over it one more time before tomorrow night, but uh, it seems all right. I mean, do you have time? Because the sales are flowing in left and right. I'm sure you're writing a lot of orders. Well, that's my work tonight. Oh, okay. Yeah, mow the grass, work on the uh, work on the tribute. And you, I guess you have voted to raise taxes three times. Is that true? I have not voted to raise taxes three times. That <laughs> I is, heard it was that is a nasty, nasty rumor that that came out of the mid state area. <laughs> well, that winds it out a little bit. <laughs> I didn't say where. I, just I know that, that, that gets it closer to my territory and Steve's. Well, yeah. <laughs> You for, I, you you take the guess then, you know? I heard three. <laughs> no. And it was, and, and, you know, I, I, my information came from constituents, but don't let that worry you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think I, I voted no twice, as a matter of fact. So we're, we're two for five. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You're killing me. You're killing me. Hey, did you get the? Did you get? I forgot to ask you. You had the bye week. Did the Christmas decorations go up? No. Oh, I'm so disappointed because it was it, it's it went Christmas to, decoration I, bye week. Oh, that's right. You had you had to go. You went to New England, didn't you? No, I went to New York. Oh, okay. Um, and spent time with my son and yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, we're going back Sunday. And congratulations, my friend. Thank you. I know Appreciate how much that. I know how much you enjoy it, and I know how much uh, you enjoy having the kids over. Well, just so you know, I wrote an emotional tribute to my new grandchild. <laughs> somebody better you, roll. Somebody better roll tape on Sunday. I, I, I believe Jamie just drove off the road. <laughs> six thirty. Right. Six thirty. Tune in right out of the gate. Eastern time. Uh, probably, yeah. I don't think we've changed. No, we don't change the clocks yet, so you're good there, too. Just so you know, Jack and I will be at a restaurant called Grazi at that time. We have 530 reservations. Manja, you, guys go to, you guys go to the best restaurants. <laughs> we, have a per we have a per diem? <laughs> I know, but you guys go to the best restaurants. I have to admit. We're not afraid to overspend it. Who cares? <laughs> We're like, I don't care, right? You know, the old Learfield 3750, woo-hoo. <laughs> I, like, I, I said to somebody at Learfield once, I said, I said, exactly how realistic are these numbers in your world? <laughs> I, said, I, said, I said, the NIT is in New York. I said, my 3750 just got me a coffee and bagel. <laughs> I, said, I said, I'm going to go the rest of the day. You do know that, correct? <laughs> oh, uh, that's, that's just standard company policy. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> uh, I better, I'm, I'm sure it works at Quinnipiac. All right, so. <laughs> I mean. We, I mean, all of us. I mean, Gary Dolphin and I. Gary's the worst. Gary t thinks the thirty-seven fifty thing. Dolph thinks that is the worst thing in the history of man going, and he lets everybody know it. I said, Dolph, I don't care. I just spend it and move on. <laughs> I just put in the number and leave. Oh well. Hey, hey. Good luck with the tribute tomorrow night, and uh, I want to wish uh, Dave Ritchie a lot of luck. 
um, because Coach Ward is the latest in analysts that have been run off. All right, so uh, <laughs> 21, 21 years, twenty one seasons we've we've done that together. Blackjack. You know what? You know yeah, what? Yes. And he, he told me the happiest he ever was uh, in his life doing the games was was the year with, with Fralazzo. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Oh, I've see, heard he t- oh, he told you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every year since. <laughs> Call, called it, called it the season of heaven. All right. <laughs> Coming up next half hour, we'll open it up, talk with you, and then the king comes in to give us his picks. Final half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Forget trick-or-treat, Sunbury Motors Ford is giving you all treats because they have to sell seven new Fords every day now through Halloween. That's right, now through Halloween, they're doing what it takes to sell seven new Fords every day. Just listen, Ford Escapes from under 20 grand. SMC has 53 2018 Escapes from 19320. Choose from over 61 2018 F-150 trucks starting at 25969. They've sold over 40,000 Ford trucks over the past 103 years and needs to sell seven Fords every day now through Halloween. Buy a 2018 Ford Explorer starting at 31705 SMC has 22 to choose from. There's also 13 2018 Ford Edges from 25390 SMC is making it easier than ever because they need to sell seven new Fords every day now through Halloween. Sunbury Motors Ford in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury.